City soundtrack. In this episode, we had a Dustin Perry on the show who plays bass for the band Snapcase. This is the second time Dustin has been on the show. He was on episode 106 when we uh, had our live Optic uh, Snapcase book discussion on the podcast. So he was awesome on that, if you've listened to that. Um, and we decided to have him back on and talk about more of his what he has going on in his life. So as some people may know, Dustin grew up in Minnesota. So we talked about growing up in Minnesota, uh, bands he was in back home in Minnesota. He was in most notably bands such as Libido Boys, Threadbare, Snapcase, and Precious. So we talked to Dustin about all his bands, all that good stuff. And we, uh, also had some talk about the Dakotas. I never thought I'd talk about the Dakotas on this uh, on this uh, show, but the uh, Dakotas scene was part of Dustin's like growing up in hardcore and stuff. So we got into that a little bit. So um, enjoyed this episode, and we like to thank Dustin for coming on and talking to us about you know his journey. So enjoy this, and we will see you in the next one. Peace. Welcome to the latest episode of Nickel City Soundtrack. That's right. I'm back, motherfuckers. What's up, Chris? I'm Mark. Hello, I'm Dustin Perry. Who uh, is uh, a Buffalonian, former Minnesotian. But yep. what, 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 uh, what band are you in, uh, Dustin? Oh, sorry. I'm in the band Snapcase. <laughs> Great. <laughs> And we were so we were so enchanted by your performance at the uh, at the book the book uh, podcast that we had to have you on the show to talk to you like one on one. So it's awesome. I put two on one. <laughs> enchanted exactly. is such a good word. <laughs> it's exactly it was what it was. It was great. It was enchanted. a good time. It was such a good good weekend. One of my favorite hardcore weekends like ever. It was so. super. Yeah, it was great. I definitely. It was just such a good time, you know, especially seeing all the bands that I've been kind of following on the fringes and mm-hmm. just, you know, having everybody be there and having fun doing stuff like that was cool. Yeah. Plus, oh. it was like 70 degrees too that day. It was Something warm. It yeah. seemed like it. Yeah. yeah. I thought so, it was windy so, that day too. Was yeah. It windy that day? Anyway, who was your favorite band to play that night? Like, like oh, who, so. Who were you most excited to see and who were you like, God damn, I'm glad I saw that. Well, honestly, like I was excited to see space because I had bought their demo, like off Bandcamp or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to see them, but you know, seeing all the other bands are cool. It was great to have that little uh, sneak peek at bad blood as well. That was, that was an exciting thing. Um, I guess I'll have to say center block just because, I, you know, Tim like talked about Cinderblock kind of in he wasn't ever like talking about how good the band was. You know, I think he was just being humble. But mm-hmm. 
it was also kept secret from us, so I never heard any of the new stuff until <laughs> around the time it was released. Wow. And it's I know as a person that you know I, I moved here and in, in, to Buffalo t- in '99, so a lot of the stuff is just like lore to me where I didn't get to hear the demos and and things like that. So it was cool to to hear. And then I think I I also once I heard a couple songs, I started to look at YouTube to find demos to listen to. You know what I mean? To hear mm-hmm. the originals and stuff. Yeah. So that was, and it was fun to see him perform as a singer. I, I mean, I was disappointed they didn't jump off of cinder blocks on the stage. But <laughs> <laughs> what can we you do? We all were. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit of a letdown. <laughs> like, that should have been the cover of the record. Like, one like, lonely cinder block like on the cover of the record. Yeah, just on the on the edge of Lake Erie or something. Exactly. That's right. Like absolutely. I I honestly have expected that to be the cover, and then like when I saw what the cover was, I was like, "What is the shit?" (laughs) But it works. Where's my cinder block? (laughs) Right, like right. Where's my cinder block and trampolines and other ridiculous shit? Like instead of the four bars, they should have each have a cinder block, just a single cinder block tattoo on their forearm. You know. Right. Yeah, I like it. I'm into it. Very That's a cool. challenge to him now. He's got to get it. <laughs> Very cool. So, so how far are we going back on Dustin here, Chris? Where, where, where oh, are we? We're going, going all the way. Like this is this is this is the get to know Dustin hour or two or what have you. So <laughs> when we do these, we kind of started off with, or I've been starting it off with. What's the first record that you bought that you were like? Okay, this this is what I'm into. Like this is this is the path I'm going now. Well, it's kind of tough or because you heard or something. Like my journey into like punk rock and stuff, you know, I was into metal and stuff like that. It was like you, I grew up with what my parents threw at me and those are all classic rock bands and I still love a lot of that stuff. But I think, you know, with my age it was, you know, 80s and stuff like that, so new wave and all that stuff you know, the fringes of punk and, and um, I talked about this in another interview, but like this, this album rock 80, which is like a K-Tel thing I got had all these bands on it that were, it was a great comp except for a couple of stinkers on there, but it was weird. Cause once I got into punk rock and stuff like that, it, a lot of those bands, I'm like, Oh, okay. I like this. This band is like the clash or Ramones are considered that, you know? And it's just like, that was kind of the gateway and um i'm trying to think of like the first like stuff i bought like obviously metal was my thing like getting into you know the iron maiden and all that type of stuff mm-hmm. but um <clears throat> i don't know like trying to think of the, uh, i i remember in like junior high a friend of mine talking about you know he was like talking dead kennedy's lyrics and stuff i'm like oh this is cool like when I was a kid, I just wanted to be super smart, you know, like, and want to, <laughs> now I want to be dumb now that I'm older, but, um, when I was, <laughs> Buffalo does that to you. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> no, but you know, he, he, he would just talk about these lyrics and stuff. And I was like, that sounds like that's funny or cool. And like, I just got into things that like through buying, you know, you buy records here and there and people, you know, the, the typical story, like, you know, people tape something for you or whatever um but the first time i went to a punk show was um it's funny because my mom saw this flyer at a gas station and 
And it was this band, Upright Citizens, that were on BYO. They're a German punk band. So that was actually the first show I went to, like, punk rock show. And I was probably 15, I think, at the time. And I was really scared and nervous about it. But it was really cool. You know what I mean? Like, that was my foray into it. And so it's kind of it's kind of crazy that the first band I saw was a German band. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. All the stuff. But... I don't know how many people can say that outside of Germany. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Or somebody that was like their dad was stationed over there or something. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that was, that was probably the first thing I, I saw. And, and honestly, like I just started to kind of, you know, you see, like I was into BMX as a kid and there's a little bit of like stuff, like, you know, where you'd see a little bit of punk rock stuff in that, but getting mm-hmm. into, you know, typical probably people my age or whatever is like, thrasher you'd see different things people's shirts or like pasone different things like that starting to influence you and um and just getting into it that way and ironically like the first couple shows i went to in minneapolis because i i lived in mankato which is about an hour it's kind of like the distance between here and rochester more or less right so um i when purple rain hit like you know that was a huge deal and First Avenue was in like featured in that, and I was like, I really got to go there. I want to check this place out because I loved, I loved, and I still love Prince. And, and uh, so it was like I need to go to this place. And so the I got the weekly paper, and I saw the first all age show I could go to that I was interested in was Violent Femmes. So I went and saw them, mm. and I yes. remember going at and being like a kid and like way in the back you know watching the show even though it's like probably the most non-threatening show you can go to at the time <laughs> but <clears throat> i went to that and then the next thing i went to actually was black flag and it was 85 so it was right you know i missed them the my warp you know um and slipping in tours but i saw them on loose nut so that was mm. kind of that was the beginning of the end for me where i then I was following the calendars and trying to get up there as much as I could to everything, you know. Very cool. Yeah, I'm old, so you know. Some... <laughs> Has anyone else on this podcast seen Black Flag, Chris? Uh, <laughs> currently, no. But people that have been on this, Darryl, that's what I meant. That's I what I that meant. was like. Yeah, I yeah. think that was like his first or second show. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Eric Rice. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure Blanca did. Like you know, I think there's been a few. Okay. Yeah, it's it's like you know the older people would say like, oh, you saw them on the decline or whatever, but it was still, you know, it was awesome. Like, I went, they did a in store at this store on the corner called Northern Lights that was big influence on me. A lot of bought a lot of cool records there, and um, Henry was signing, and I bought the record brand new because it had just come out, and he signed it. And, mm-hmm. You know, like stuff like that is, you know, it's not cool to get an autograph, but I'm happy that happened. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing to, as a 15 year old kid to experience. And, and, um, you know, that was the beginning of it for me, like I said. And First Avenue just became like, I mean, until I moved away from Minneapolis, I was going there all the time for music, you know, going to see shows. Like, fortunately, they did all ages shows all the time. So, Mm-hmm. we we my parents had an agreement with me more or less where as long as i kept my grades good i could um 
go to shows. So I'd have to, because we live far enough away, the shows are at four, mm-hmm. I believe. And so I'd have to skip the afternoon of class and go to the show and come back at night. And But I saw tons of great stuff that way. You know what I mean? So how'd I, you get I, there? Like the shows? Uh, either it was either like friends would carpool up there. Mm-hmm. I was lucky, like during this, my dad actually worked up in Minneapolis and you would commute. So during summertime or whatever, I could go up in the morning with him and he would actually wait for us. Like he'd work and, and then he sometimes would actually come into the show cause he'd just pick us up from there. But a lot of times he would wait for us and we would, you know, we'd, so we'd go out to lunch with him and then the, spend the rest of the afternoon just walking around Minneapolis, going to record stores and stuff go to the show and then come out and drive home. So, you know, a lot of times we get home like at 10 o'clock at night, you know, and mm-hmm. put on those records that we bought that day or whatever, you know, just think about it. Nice. Wasn't uh, Matt Henderson's first band from Minneapolis? Yeah. Blind approach. Uh, yeah. 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 Blind. I, I could dig for those seven inches, but yeah, blind approach was an awesome band. The first time I saw them, I think was, they came to Mankato and played and, or, or maybe opened one of those shows and they weren't like, you know, they didn't have like the, the skinhead look necessarily at that time. They had Mm -hmm. spike, you know, Liberty spikes kind of look. Mm -hmm. They're a great band. Their, their singer chip was really charismatic. He actually founded a a big company at, at a point um, later on, but yeah, they were always awesome. And it's funny because I, I loved seeing Blind Approach and we played with them, I'm sure, in Libido Boys and stuff like that. But I remember one of the, it's a weird thing. As far as I remember, they played in Mankato and at my friend's house. And I remember Matt sitting in his car, like just soloing, like getting warmed up for the show. I think <laughs> playing along to, to Agnostic Front, he ended up in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That that was a big deal. I mean, we had like it was kind of cool. There was a lot of people that went on to New York bands. Like he went to Agnostic Front, which was a huge deal. And then um, um, uh, this guy Al became the singer of Nausea. He was yeah, in yeah. Band. He was in Misery from Minneapolis, which is a really cool band too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very cool. We moved up to the big leagues from Minneapolis. What can I say? <laughs> such a weird connection like minneapolis and new york like who who knew like, yeah right like it's one of, connection no i think being from you know being there we had an amazing scene amazing people and stuff like that but you know you always looked up to new york as being like the mecca of all this stuff so mm-hmm. you know for people to get into those bands like agnostic front like what and nausea are like two of the heavy hitters you know so mm-hmm. that's really yeah, what was the first band that you played in? Because I looked at Discogs, yeah. and there was a whole list of stuff, and it was like, I don't know if some of these are accurate. So let's let's see what you say versus Discogs. <laughs> All right, well, the first, um, I'll try to like even say the non-band things that you know, like the non-legitimate, like release-wise. But first thing I did was a friend of mine, like, so I moved up to where my parents still live by the campus in Mankato. And this kid lived down the corner who was a few years younger and he had drums. So I brought my guitar there and we would play and we were called rage, which is funny. Cause it's like mm, so many rages. Exactly. <laughs> so we did that. We had, you know, songs about kicking butts and stuff like that. I think, you know, <laughs> as a band name, nice. rage would. 
<laughs> you know, you're really angry. Um, and then um, the first like thing I did, punk rock type band was um, this camp band called Wandering Sickness, and we played the school talent show. That was my first. I'd say that's my first performance outside of playing an orchestra where we did Blitzkrieg Bop and we did Big Women by GBH and stuff like that. And I remember playing that and just thinking like, well, after this, I either I'm going to people like think I'm all right or they're going to want to kick my ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it went OK. So that was that was kind of the first band, but it was more like my friends and I would switch instruments and play songs and, you know, and just never really performed with that. And then um, eventually the first band I was in was called Plain Truth. And that was with that kid that drummed. And there was this guy, Jeff, in our scene that put on shows. And and someone said, like, I was at a quarter pipe, you know, like skating with people and stuff. And they're like, he's looking for people to be in band. And I knew he played guitar. So I was like, well, I have a friend who's a drummer and I could play bass. I never had played bass before. And but I knew I could probably get one, you know? And <laughs> so that's, that was like the first band. And we plain truth, we like recorded a demo, like just in our, in our basement and played, played shows um, in Mankato and stuff. And I don't remember if we ever traveled with that band. I think we might've went to like South Dakota or something. And then when that split up, the most of the guys in the band formed a new band, which is libido boys. And, I eventually became the bass player for that band. And that was kind of my most serious, like first band, if you will, because we had, we toured and we put out records and, and we went to Europe in that band and everything. So, wow. yeah, so that was, <clears throat> we went kind of cool story is the way we got to Europe was um, this girl that we were friends with. Her cousin was one of the drummers of discharge at a point. And he was in this band called the insane and he came to visit and we found out he was in town from her. So he came to one of our practices and he took our demo to this guy in, in England and he ended up, you know, wanting to put out a record of ours. So we ended up going over there. I think it was like 1990. We toured over in Europe. Mm -hmm. and, wow. Uh, but we did a couple of West coast tours and we, um, Put, we were on a MRR comp, which was a big deal. You know, we mm -hmm. played with a lot of really cool bands, um, Neurosis, um, a lot. Unfortunately, they've kind of, you know, had the controversy lately, you know, but mm -hmm. what what's the know, controversy? I haven't been paying attention to them. Uh, Scott, their main singer, was pretty abusive to his band oh. stuff. So, yeah, yeah, I do remember seeing yeah, that. Yeah really sad because i i love that band since the 80s you know but mm -hmm. it's pretty sad um that he was like that and but we played with you know i remember playing um with christ on parade and we played with mdc and all these different you know cool bands and got to you know like in like i said when we played europe we played with doom and we played with extreme noise tear and god flesh and di and all these Things that, you know, if even as, as a kid, I was just like starstruck that we got to play with yeah. all these big, you know. Yeah. And we did, I mean, that's we, impressive. We, yeah. We did really well in Minneapolis. Like we would 
sell out the Seventh Street entry. We got to play with um, Government Issue and Warzone and Scream wow. like that. So we got to play a lot of great shows. Um, and then after that, I played. I joined these these guys from a small town next to me. Did a straight edge band. I'm like, you know, I'll play guitar with you guys if you want, because mm-hmm. I always wanted to play that style too. And so I joined them. They're called Headstrong. We became this band, Reach. And eventually, um, my friend Mike, who ended up in Threadbare and etc., he played drums with us, and that's when we kind of hit our stride and recorded a demo. And we played a lot around locally. And right, right before we broke up, we had sent our demo out to a bunch of places. We were super close to being on Watermark mm-hmm. Records. Mm-hmm. He was interested in us, but we broke up, so that didn't happen. That's kind of what led to eventually Threadbare being on that label. But mm-hmm. in between that, Mike joined the band Bloodline. I don't know if you knew. This is not New Jersey Bloodline, but Bloodline from Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah, Bloodline. So I knew about the Minneapolis Bloodline before yeah. the New Jersey Bloodline. Yeah. Uh, which I'm guessing Minneapolis was first because New Jersey Bloodline was New Jersey Bloodline. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Bloodline was a super cool band. They were kind of like friends of Blind Approach, more or less. And mm-hmm. uh, they were a good band. And and our drummer, Mike, joined them. And their guitar player was on the out. So then they had me play guitar. Um, so we put out a record. Did you, say, did you record with Bloodline? Because I have a Bloodline record, but I don't think you're on it. Yeah, I, I record. Uh, so they did. Uh, we played more than music fest. And so that was really cool for me. I got to see all these bands that didn't necessarily make it to Minneapolis mm-hmm. and got to see, uh, actually saw Snapcase for the first time there. That was the early days with Gallus and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but got to see, you know, all these bands I loved at the time. And then they were on the only the strong comp. And then after that, I did the thousand screams record with them. Mm. and we went to europe our bass player decided to not he didn't want to go he wanted to quit and we ended up getting um i'm trying to name drop here because i figure this is a hardcore podcast and it's fun to, to put <laughs> connections together <laughs> but um ended up getting it's randomly this guy eric fink who was in um side by side and uppercut yeah an uppercut, yeah yeah he lived in Minneapolis, and so he went with us to play bass on that tour. Wow. And it was funny wow. because I probably should have just played bass, but I had just bought all this guitar gear, and I'd been playing guitar. I was like, no way, dude. I'm not playing bass. Because <laughs> he was like, he could shred on guitar. I'm like, I felt kind of foolish. Yeah. But, you know. mm-hmm. um, but then we, we broke up. That band was kind of waning, and we broke up on that tour. And then we started Threadbare after that. And then you know that was that so um that's kind of my little journey so i love threadbare i love the seven inch and i love growing older faster um escapist i i need to revisit it because i feel like when i first i was kind of eh but i uh threadbare i think i feel like threadbare is definitely a top 20 90s band Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, those records, those records are so freaking good. Like when I first heard the seven inch, I was like blown away. Yeah, I like I couldn't wait for like more. Yeah, we were. Uh, that, yeah, that band kind of. So the members of that band. So when in between, like, um, 
libido boys and uh, bloodline or reach and bloodline um so mike and chad who were in threadbare were in this band called downside who had a seven okay. inch, uh, they had a seven inch on nemesis and they were a super good band i would compare them to kind of like the the feel of like underdog you know minus the reggae parts you know what i mean yeah yeah and uh, underdog seven inch or whatever they were a super good band and when they broke up they kind of wanted to continue so they had recruited me and the singer of reach and then we did bloodline so then when we got back together um we wanted to do you know after bloodline broke up we wanted to do threadbare and so we got this guy brian who was from south dakota who we had seen in a band called switch who was he was just a what an amazing singer i mean he's like one of the best and mm-hmm. we recruited him like when we do a band you're gonna be the singer and then <laughs> our friend carl um who's an amazing guitar player he played in this band called tripwire also trial not the trial that got you know everybody got hyped on again after yeah. the fact but um so that was the band and we had our connection with you know originally the band sounded like verbal assault but then we kind of found our own thing yeah and, how now how did you find that thing like how did that how did the threadbare sound come about it's weird because like you know this is just my take on it but i feel like you know we definitely you know like i was fortunate uh, the most of us were probably there but we were fortunate enough to see that tour where it was shelter quicksand and um Inside, inside out, out. yeah mm-hmm. and um inside out was just like that was a game changer for me like in terms of the emotion and music like really just mm-hmm. go crazy to you know what i mean and like mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't like nobody in our circle had their demo or had a tape so we didn't know any of the songs and i remember zach grabbing people and screaming at him i was like holy shit this is crazy you know mm-hmm. yeah so like that you know resurrection all those bands that had that intensity you know we also loved no escape and and you know things like that so um i don't know it's just partially i think it's just like wanting to do like it was a weird group of people like mike and carl are amazing musicians and they are very like into metal and like really great players and Mm -hmm. i think chad and i also we came from like more of the dc and like that i don't know even gravity type stuff like wanting to have that intensity mm-hmm. things and not and I, I i said this in a different interview like i feel like i really screwed up with threadbare because i should have let us be more metal i think maybe we would have been disembodied at this point you know what i mean <laughs> but who I also love. Don't get me. I love disembodied, and those are great friends. But um, yeah, so we were. It was just kind of like this push and pull of that band. I think it made it very unique. You know what I mean? Like all the different people's styles and influences coming together, and it was just about really just we really wanted to express a lot of emotion and have heaviness without doing cliche things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we really benefited from taking our time with stuff like a lot for a lot of the beginning of the band, Brian actually didn't even live in Minnesota. He was in 
the other side of South Dakota by Rapid City. So he would get tapes from us of practices. And sometimes we would play and he would literally come and just like sing over stuff. And we, we had no idea what he was going to do. We knew it would be great, but um, yeah, it was just like, once we got going, we, it was a weird time because I think the, the youth crew revival was happening and mm-hmm. we were more like, I don't know. I, we, in our group, we would call it progressive hardcore. I know it sounds stupid, but you know, when things were happening, I mean, it's like, not wrong. No, you know, like, you know, Quicks, like it's, it's burn and, and all those bands were, you know, turning point had changed, like all that, that kind of mm-hmm. shift into things. And, and it was, not be in and i think we hit at the wrong time in some ways because you know i, I remember being people were like getting into like more youth crew revival stuff and i was like i just don't get it you know what i mean like i was kind yeah of i mean something new i would i would say that you guys were early on it because like i remember like when i'm listening to threadbare everyone else is trying to do youth crew revival or they're like punching each other to mad ball and cold as life yeah yeah <laughs> and and then the kind of discording chaos bands like inkwell hourglass frail <laughs> then those bands kind of came after threadbare kind of run its course it seemed yeah mm-hmm. we i think that was like the benefit of the band was we took our time and we didn't play stuff until it was really worked out and mm-hmm. really benefited from having good work, like feeling all the fast, especially like that recording still holds up. Like it's so good. Absolutely. That, because the guy that recorded it, Tommy Roberts, who actually runs ZVEX pedals. Now he, we had done like, we had done the reach demo with him and I think a bunch of other bands that recorded there. And he was just, he was very old school, but very experimental. Like he played in a band called Fauna, which was very um, akin to like my Bloody Valentine. So he was all about like sound and getting like, he really like at the time we were, you know, you, when you're buying time and you're poor, you know, it's hard to like have somebody take their time to do things. But in the end, it really, we, I think we really benefit from the fact that that recording stands up. You know what I mean? as far as like yeah, the last, definitely as far as the last record we we had broken up more or less but our our label doghouse had decided it was cool they wanted to release another record so we recorded mm-hmm. it but we we kind of piecemealed it together like we had mike and i did the drums and bass with tommy at this other studio and then guitars and vocals were done at this place i don't remember what it was called but I know like it's funny because we've been talking I've been talking to Brian about it lately who's a singer and he doesn't like his performance on it like I think I mean I'm always blown away by what he does so um I still think it's great but you know I, he's not happy with it and I think I don't know I look at that as our manic compression not to put us on the pedestal <laughs> of, but it's it's different but I still think it's I I still am really proud of what we did like I really like mm-hmm. those songs and I can see like how if it was maybe remixed or something, it might really benefit. But you know, it is what it is. I'm glad. Like I appreciate that people care about us. Like one of the things that was cool about being in Snapcase, aside from everything else, was being on tour and people telling me, "Oh, you know, I really like Threadbare and stuff like that." And 
because when we were a band, at least from my perspective, I didn't, I didn't feel like people really liked us that much. Mm-hmm. And so we didn't like, cause we never, we, we weren't the band that people would go crazy to or, or whatever. And, and we just had like, just weird experiences like you know mics going out different things when we had our showcase in a sense for the scene so it's just mm-hmm. so it felt really good that people you know said that they liked us after the fact it meant now always would convey that to everybody else in the band I'm like just so you know like people really did actually care about us as a band so it made us feel better about it you know what i mean yeah yeah but you were also at a time you were also at a time when people weren't going to come up and be like yo your band was fucking awesome you know, yeah. they would just be like, they would say to someone, hey, that band was cool, but they would never actually tell the band that, you know? Yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Well, it was funny because we, I remember when that last record came out, I was at Extreme Noise in Minneapolis, which is an awesome place. And I remember seeing people that always felt like talked trash or weren't really into us buying our record. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I see. And, and, and uh, you know, and getting feedback from other bands, like, that they liked us was you know i think you know sometimes there's those bands that are bands bands you know what i mean and i feel like Mm -hmm. we're that vein you know which yeah is is a you know that still means a lot so but i'm looking at the discogs threadbare page and my picture is the main threadbare picture so i'm pretty i'm pretty pumped about that (laughs) when when is that from they have morgan music fest 95 yeah nice i went to that and uh saw thread there that was Mark a fun, making that was like i remember history <laughs> i remember that show was was like people were very i remember people were kind of excited to see us which meant a lot you know it was cool and it's funny because i watched the video of it recently and i'm like oh my god i'm out of tune for like half that <laughs> that place was really weird <laughs> I feel like it was in a school and the show was like in the cafeteria of the school or something like something weird like that. It was weird. That was, yeah, it was really weird. Yeah. I feel like it got it got like shut down or something and then like shows had get moved to houses and stuff. I don't know. It was it was a weird weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore 95. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> How that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore 95. Yeah. It's fun. Like it's one of those things like living closer to Ohio. I'm like wow there's so many like cities in ohio that i haven't been to since but they're like you know yeah that's one like i don't think i've been to dayton or one of those places forever yeah columbus wow. ohio you ever go to one of those more music fest chris i did not um in the 90s because i was of a particular mental state mm-hmm. i didn't like going anywhere like uh, half the time, I wouldn't even go to places in Buffalo, let alone out of Buffalo. Yeah, I get it. Um, but they always seemed cool, and at least one of them, I feel like every band I was into played. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like also in the '90s, like I was really into very like diverse things. Like I kind of liked every some element of everything that was happening. But there was yeah. other things like like Threadbare. I really like. Like I said, growing old faster than the Seven Inch. Love that shit. The Seven Inch loved that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we only, um, did one tour in that band too, really, because we we came out east. And I remember we played, um, we played New York uh, with. It was during like the what is that like New Music Seminar or whatever or something like yeah, that. Like CMJ, CMJ, or something like CMJ. That, or, yeah, CMJ. Yeah. We played uh, we played this weird basement bar, and I remember Gavin from Burn worked and worked there, and I was very in awe of him because I loved Burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Played with was, was he wearing a mesh shirt? 
No, he wasn't. No, but he did, I've like, heard. I've heard stories. He carried my. He carried my Ampeg A10 over his shoulder up a ladder, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah, it's about right." <laughs> yeah, but we played a few. Like we played uh, a few places on that tour, and that was really the only time we did stuff with, except for going out to fests or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just kind of fizzled out, unfortunately. But um, so. I was in like limbo for a long time. Do you want to you want to get into be me coming here? <laughs> How did? Yeah, I, I mean, like I, I I know like during the um during the book thing, you kind of talked about how there was like a, a false a false you in Snapcase, and then you ended up in Snapcase. Yeah. Okay. So I I you know I I won't say I was like really good friends with them, but when they would come through, like I saw them in Wisconsin and in different places like that. And they're always cool. Like I'd talk to them and, and um, we played Threadbare played with them in, in rap city was them in lifetime. And I remember we were waiting outside the venue. It's a, that kind of like, you know, who's going to talk to who, you know, you have your own mm-hmm. camp and we were probably the shyest people, but I remember Daryl or somebody came over to me and, and he had said like, Oh, you know, I really like which guys were in Bloodline, and I really like that recording. You know, and because um, the rumor was that they were going to come to Minneapolis record progression, which would have been a whole different thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of how I got to know them. And I like I was you know living in Minneapolis, and I got a call from Daryl that you know they were thinking about having you know me try out to be to play bass, and I was like cool yeah for sure let's let's do this and that happened a couple times and then i i live i you know kind of gave up on that idea and norm from texas the reason etc had moved wanted to move and i was like i want to move i want like i want to go somewhere just to tr- like i hadn't done a band for a couple years and i wanted to keep going mm-hmm. so i moved to chicago with him and Unfortunately, my you know three to eleven Kinko ship didn't really help me meet people that much. Yeah. <laughs> and but then during that time they called again and it was like let's you know I'm like okay let's I'll come out there and we'll we'll try this out. So I flew out to Buffalo and um, met Daryl and we went out to eat and showed me where I would live and you know that's. It's a it's a whole thing. Like I will say, one of the things that I enjoy about your podcast is it connecting the dots with all these people that I met at a later stage. I didn't know their history so much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and so it's cool because, like, you know, example like meeting Gerald at New World or whatever when he worked there, yeah, and yeah. Not knowing like, oh, okay, you're in this band Hourglass, which then I eventually saw a couple of years ago for the first time, mm-hmm. and I'm like. And I, and I think about all these things, like if I would have lived here during that time, I would have definitely been into this or that. And like mm-hmm. these people have been my friends and who knows like what my mm-hmm. you know story would have been, but, but yeah, so I came out here and I remember I went, you know, went to, you know, f- our practice space was above Frank's parents, pet, uh, pet grooming place. And, and I remember just, you know, it was a trip to be standing in the room with all those guys like, okay. I'm playing incarnation. This is kind of crazy. You know? yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, 
but it went, you know, it went well. And, you know, and, and then I, I remember going home and telling Norm, like, okay, I'm going to have to move and, you know, I'll pay rent for X amount of time. And cause I felt bad. And, but then, you know, as we, t- as we talked about in the other podcast, you know, Bob moved into my place and I moved into basically, working, <laughs> yeah, just, which is crazy. Lives. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. And that was it. Like, I, you know, I honestly, like I, I talked about this with my wife recently. Like I kind of always put things on the back burner to play music. You know what I mean? Like in terms of career or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, so joining the band and knowing it was going to be like a full-time thing. It was, that was a big deal for me. You know what I mean? Like being able to play professionally and, mm-hmm. you know, so speak. And cause I, you know, I think, I don't know if I told this story in the podcast, but I worked at Kinko's there and I was like ready to transfer to the one here. Mm-hmm. And I was on Delaware, right down there by the, yeah. And I went in there and introduced myself and then my, I found out that my manager at Chicago never put any paperwork in for me to transfer. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I guess I don't have a job here necessarily. And, you know, but we were like, once, once I moved here, we were, you know, working on the designs record. And then uh, we played, my first show with them was the crazy fest and in, in Louisville. And I remember being, super intimidated by that because it's like a big you know it's a big festival yeah and crazy fest was huge at that time yeah also just meeting all the people that they're friends with like you know like kind of like who's this guy you know mm-hmm. but i remember we went out to a, a pasta dinner with sick of it all and i was like holy shit you know like <laughs> they're super they're super cool and nice and you know and uh the show went good and everything and and that was the beginning and and we just, um, you know, we were recorded that record in New Jersey and then, uh, you know, toured like crazy. That was basically the beginning of it all, you know? Mm-hmm. Was that the crazy fest that was on the, um, like the, the parking garage roof and it had the big, like Jesus loves you when you walked in Was mm, that the 99 I- one? Was that the one you played? I don't remember. It was more like a, it was like a kind of like a park area by the water. And there was, yeah, but it was like, it was like a weird, cause we went, if you go down the stairs, maybe the parking garage memory might not be correct, but there was like, you could go downstairs to the water. And to me, it just had a parking garage vibe to it. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I was probably too nervous to think about anything for not screwing up. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah but yeah that was i mean it was uh you know the you know and time in that band was you know i'm glad that we're still playing obviously but you know that was like what i wanted to do was play music and uh it was cool to be able to do that at the level we were and you know there's there's so much that you know i when the band initially broke up i was very like can we just take a break can we just do it part-time and mm. and so it was really it was tough because i you know i i moved here and gave up you know i came here just to do that so i, I you know i left my family behind and everything so it was it was tough to be like okay what am i going to do now you know what i mean mm-hmm. and, 
but you know eventually we started playing again which is cool and i've been busy with other side things now you know which is which is good i'm glad to get get to do that too did you ever consider moving back to minnesota when the band broke up sure. like i that was basically as soon as like when there was this um uh, these friends of mine i'd played with before i moved to chicago mm-hmm. uh, they ended up becoming this band story the sea mm-hmm. and i during that time like the interim time i actually went back and recorded a demo with them and i was like all set i was gonna move home and i actually started my job at the apple store because i figured it would be a easy transfer to have a job at least to go back to mm-hmm. but then i ended up staying you know what i mean mm-hmm. so the lure of buffalo here i am yeah. <laughs> it's like a trap <laughs> a trap buffalo's a trap it's a trap, it's yeah. a trap. <laughs> you get to the edge and you can't escape you know but seriously uh, yeah <laughs> but now you know now i have a home and i have a child and a wife and everything else so it's like that's how I, we that's how buffalo gets you yeah I'm, <laughs> My wife and I talked about moving to Minnesota quite a bit for a while, and it was mm-hmm. pretty serious, but it just, you know, it just ended up the way it is, and it's fine. It's good. You know what I mean? I still I still love Minnesota so much, and I, I, I definitely have to get there once in a while. Otherwise, I start to freak out, I think. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. to go home and, you know, see my parents and my friends that are still there. And just yeah. to be, yeah. just to, you know, that, you know how to home you know to me so yeah uh, it's a it's a cool place at least it's cool to visit during the warm months you know yeah i imagine it's worse in the winter there than it is here is it or is it not i don't know it's just very cold it gets very cold yeah yeah Uh, this year they had a lot of snow which you know they get snow don't get me wrong but it's not like here like i think i talked about like how i don't I don't really like, I'm going to say I don't like lake effect snow very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one does. Yeah. It's not cool. Um, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, almost, yeah, almost moved home back then. And, but you know, it all worked out in a good way, you know? And, and like I said, I still get to go visit, which is good. Yeah. Had you ever been to, I know you played with Harvest when you came to Buffalo. Had you ever been to Buffalo like before? Before you joined Snapcase, yeah, I heard, playing I was, bands. The Harvest was like a. I worked with the guitar player Dan, and mm-hmm. they're like, "Play with us, come play." And uh, that guy who actually was in that story, the C band, mm-hmm. was drums with them at the time. So I, I went and played guitar with them, and we went. I recorded like that last. Uh, well, they've recorded since then, but I want. Mm-hmm. I can't call transitions or something like that. The mm-hmm. EP. I was supposed to record the whole thing, but mm-hmm. I knew I was only going to do it for like this. I basically kind of put a, a stop to like my time, like, cause I knew their guitar player that I was replacing was just going to school and would probably be available again. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll, I'll do it till, you know, end of summer or whatever the time frame was. And so we, we toured out East. We did an East coast tour mm-hmm. and we were supposed to go to, we went almost to Florida, but our singer got sick and that was kind of the end of it unfortunately mm-hmm. but but yeah the last like the ep thing i recorded a song on but i didn't feel right like because since since he had been part of the writing so i let i kind of not that i let him but i was like he should record this you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. and so 
I recorded like basically one or one or two songs on that and and um which was cool I'm glad to be a part of it but yeah I always feel bad I kind of forget about that because it was it was a short time but I mean the the friendships I made and with the harvest guys and the people that were a crew on the time and stuff like that like Mm -hmm. I still like really enjoy it and I you know I did get to play with them more than uh sorry more than music what am I saying uh this (laughs) (laughs) this is hardcore I played with harvest a few years ago so that was cool you know get to see those guys and try to learn those crazy guitar parts again which i was struggling with but i was able to pull it off what can i say yeah i just saw i just saw dave walker last week he was in oh he was in hamilton for the chokehold show yeah i saw like i'm posting about that i was like damn you're so close you know i'd love to see him yeah Uh, yeah yeah those guys are cool and those are like I those friendships I made like like I said like the people in the band and the the guys that were crew on that are like some of my best friends and so it was really mm-hmm. a great great thing to be a part of and you know it's fun to it was fun to tour with a band that that I wasn't um you know such so invested in in a sense like just to enjoy mm-hmm. the ride in a sense and see see yeah. how and I got to learn some cool metal guitar parts and stuff like that very yeah. cool yeah didn't libido boys play like a reunion recently yeah we played okay so i got i got kicked out of libido boys around 1990 91 Mm -hmm. Uh, it was probably i mean i don't know probably i was probably a jerk i don't know you know what i mean i'm not gonna we definitely just were were, we were just very different people by that time you know Mm -hmm. and um and it was really devastating for me and you know, I, I rebounded by, you know, doing bands and like working hard and everything. And those guys, you know, continued for a few years and they did some cool stuff. But um, I always had this like, you know, sadness that I couldn't be a part of any like they did reunions. And I just always wanted to mend the, you know, mend the fence with them, if you will. And like mm-hmm. and to be able to play those songs, because that was a huge part of my development in terms of being a musician and also you know we toured and that's how i learned to tour and and everything else and so it was really cool like last summer we played in uh south dakota which was always a good place for us really cool scene there and and so that was fun like i hadn't played with them in probably like 30 years or something crazy you know (laughs) but i got to got to play these songs that you know i was a part like so long ago and and just get to hang out with them and so that was really awesome and i think we're gonna try to do something again maybe this year so it's a really that's big that's a really big thing it's just like a healing thing for me because it's always been you know kind of something i've carried over the years like i always wished i could do again you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it was cool so you talk about like South Dakota, like what kind of scene is in South Dakota? I'm so, curious. I, was, I was wondering that myself. <laughs> I'm curious. So back in the early times, Rapid City was like a cool scene. They had this this band called Descent, who were kind of evolved into almost a Fugazi esque band, mm-hmm. but they were just super cool dudes. Like we recorded the Libidoids album there, and bands would you know you know have to travel between places, and they would play there so a lot of cool bands played in rapid city mm-hmm. and then eventually in the like late 80s early 90s sioux falls south dakota had this just amazing scene where 
um, it would just be like, no matter if you're an opening band or you've never played there before, mm-hmm. there'd be hundreds of kids just going crazy to you. You mm-hmm. just felt like this is the best. Like they were so nice, just goofy, you know, like goofy, like having fun kids, not like people, you know, killing each other or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, it's funny because there was um, there's a documentary about that scene that just came out. I finally got to watch, and it's just cool to see. Like it was just like a, 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 this weird middle of nowhere mecca in a sense for bands because you would play there and you'd be like holy shit people love us you know mm-hmm. and you just have a great time and um and the, every band i played in there was it was just that same thing and you know i remember yeah. we played we played with all kinds of crazy bands there like you know neurosis green day mm-hmm. rancid all kinds of you know what i mean so yeah all these bands would go through there. Yeah. So it's weird because, you know, this is very, like, I don't want to offend South Dakota because I just drove through it recently and it's beautiful, but it just definitely is like, there's a lot of nothing between the coast, like the East and the West, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's like rapid city area out in the left on the West, co- you know, side. And then the East border of Minnesota is, is Sioux Falls. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just like, it's cool. They were just great scenes and they're just cool people there. So it was mm-hmm. always, fun to go. you know, it was only a few hours away to play Sioux Falls for us. So mm-hmm. we would play there all the time, like every band. And that's how we actually got Brian from Threadbare because he was in a band. That's where he grew up and where he's from. Mm-hmm. And we saw his band. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's going to be our singer. <laughs> <laughs> did you Did you ever play North Dakota? I've, you know what? I don't think so. No, I, I never like played maybe, um, shit, what is that? Like near Fargo, right? Um, that was about it. Like, yeah, there's never, like, I never knew of a scene there. You know what I mean? Like, so they, were I'm, never, I'm, they were never in, uh, in the old MRR scene reports. Right. You know, I, right. Uh, like, I'm kind of convinced that no one lives in North Dakota. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, like and and my my basis for this is like in the early mid two thousands when cell phones and like when you're looking for a cell phone service and they would show you the map of like oh. where their service covers. Yeah, yeah. No one covered North Dakota. <laughs> no one. Well, they had a like with the fracking thing. They had a huge boon lately. Like, so I don't know how different it is now. Mm-hmm. But I I really don't remember going there very much. Like I think. Like I had relatives that lived in uh, Winnipeg, and so we would drive through like this part of North Dakota and stuff like that. But yeah, that was about it. Like I, I, I was funny because I was thinking about them. Like I need to go up there and just see what the hell's going on. You know what right. I mean? Right? <laughs> Is there people? Like what's going on? Because yeah. it could be really awesome, and like you don't know. Like it's it's kept right. such a secret that you're like you don't know that there's actually this cool stuff there. But who knows? Yeah. Give forty acres for two dollars yeah. an acre. Yeah, North like yeah. North Dakota has like a, a mural like Buffalo. Keep North Dakota a secret, <laughs> but, but they, they actually some... keep it a secret. Yeah, they did a really. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. Like they don't want anybody to steal like all the cool stuff they got going on. Yeah. Oh, North Dakota! So I, will, go... I will solve your mysteries. So to go like... back to libido. Sorry, what are you saying? I was gonna say like I'll you know like. We had like my some of my first out of town shows where like we would drive to you know Colorado, mm-hmm. played there was cool scenes and like we would play multiple shows in Iowa, 
And also Wisconsin just had great scenes like Madison, Wisconsin, which is a where the University of Wisconsin is. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, really good scene there, you know. So, yeah, there was a lot going on. Like, and even though we're my isolated, there was good scenes in all those different towns around there, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask about. I, I mean, I've I know you were in that band, Libido Boys, but. What kind of band was Libido Boys? I've never listened to Libido Boys. What kind of band was that? I mean, well, I mean, I could guess. I could guess what it is, but I want to hear yeah. what you say. Well, started out, it was super fast, like influenced, like by the Stupids, the mm-hmm. Acute stuff, like that, right? Like just mm-hmm. really fast, but kind of a little funny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then when we got more serious, like our first demo was it's pretty hardcore like fast and like has got like you know got some hardcore influence and i remember i think that's why we got to play with warzone mm-hmm. down street because i think the guys from blind approach without seeing us thought we were like this cool hardcore band and we we're just a- <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah but eventually it kind of got more and more melodic and was you know we definitely were like more like the skate rock uh, SNFU style type stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I was, I mean, uh, during that time I was so into all and descendants and stuff like that. And mm. even like the influence of like soul asylum and when they were a cool band and yeah. not that they're not cool, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, they were definitely. like, they were a really hot band back then. And like all that kind of stuff was, was seeping into our band. You know what I mean? So yeah. we were, they're definitely similar to like I I definitely feel like we we took a lot of SNFU cues, you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah. but yeah, you got to I, it's pretty good. Like it was fun to play that stuff again. Like you know how it is when you when you have a band when you're a kid, you think, oh, it's gotta be junk, you know what I mean? I'm like, you know what? It's I'm still this stuff still holds up pretty good, you know what I mean? It's pretty yeah. cool, interesting stuff. Is that what you were guessing, Chris? It sounded like uh the melodic part yeah i kind of figure it was probably kind of a to a degree tongue-in-cheek yeah. punk rock posing as pseudo cock rock type bands uh <laughs> but you know you know I, I have particular opinions like that i i will say like uh, we all think i'm sure we all agree that the name's stupid but it was <laughs> it was the original singer and it was the band was literally just supposed to last till for a summer until we all went to college yeah so mm-hmm. like let's do this and then we started to like get more serious and we were playing more and more out of town and stuff like that and, and when he decided to go to to school we're like, we want to keep going. And then we got a new singer and I was like for near the end of my time in the band is probably part of why I was out too, is I really wanted to change the name. You know what I mean? Cause I just mm, didn't. Yeah. But at that point we had really built a quite a f- following and it was, it would have been a mistake to change the name too. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like spud monsters from Cleveland. Oh yeah, like they, they never thought that they were going to get where they got, and you know, and when you're on that road, it's like, well, we can't really change the name now. Yeah, Spud Monsters. <laughs> I really think that that name held them back. Like, I think they would have been, yeah, in, in the U.S. on par with Biohazard if they wouldn't have had that name. Yeah. No, it's 
don't take them like that's like what ludicrous changed the power trip or vice versa yeah, or, yeah scatterbrain or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. no i yeah and i i it, it felt you know it was especially back in those days i was like trying to tell your grandma or something you're in a bank called libido <laughs> <laughs> but we i'm proud of what we did like, we really did we did really well you know like i think you know they kept going for a while like we right when i was out of the band we had signed to this band, this label red dust bowl which was part of twin tone and i was a huge twin tone fan like all the different bands on that because you know replacements and everything were on that mm-hmm. but yeah it was you know name aside it was it was a cool band um I'm, I'm you know i'm glad to be able to hang out with those guys again and play those songs it's fun you know very cool yeah For, just so you guys know i i have joined the end the north dakota punk and hardcore instagram page to keep up on north dakota uh, hardcore uh, <laughs> there's one that's awesome is there anything there or is it just like a couple things oh. yeah, there wasn't any like there wasn't bands from there you know like obviously growing up in the, in the area like there was bands that were a little bit older that you would yeah find. but like you know we had you know, there's obviously more hardcore bands, but you know, mm-hmm. who's to do run yeah. West, you run replacement soul asylum. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting more and more, but like, those are all like national things. And, and, uh, and then, you know, Wisconsin had Decroitson and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there was never, I never heard of a North Dakota thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think North Dakota has like a, a any kind of team like football or basketball or like yeah no nothing going on there but, but yeah, as but, I as I look I, I figure I don't want any I don't want anyone from North Dakota to think I'm putting them down I just don't know much about it, so I need to learn that's all no any if if on the odd chance that some from North Dakota is listening to this podcast <laughs> chime in on the Instagram we need to know what happens in North Dakota. <laughs> In 2007, Propagandi played a show in North Dakota, so you know. <laughs> in 2007. I will say, I, I have a weird, like, here's my Propagandi story. So, um, Chad from Threadbury used to talk to them, and their guitar player, singer guy, had a Threadbury yeah. singer on his guitar for a while, which is cool. Oh, cool. A little claim, like, because is an awesome band, too. Agreed. I, I'm not going to lie, I never really listened to them because of the name. Really? No, I know. Yeah, they that's a band that probably outgrew out their name pretty quick, but yeah, they they're, yeah. they're they're so good, Chris. I'll make you a playlist. Yeah. Okay. Playlists are the way to go. Mixtapes of this of this era. That's Such great. a wordy band. Like they they're so wordy, it's great. <laughs> a lot, <laughs> lot, lot of lot of meat on the on that bone there. Even though they're like, they're all vegan, but Yes, yeah, sir. Am I am I going to have to pull out a dictionary to follow yeah. along? Maybe, but it's good. It's very good. Anyway, I wonder if that guy still has that podcast here, the Propagandi podcast. He might have run his course. I haven't seen much about. There's a guy who lives in Buffalo who does a Propagandi podcast. Oh, really? But I haven't maybe, seen much about it lately. Maybe I have, he like, transitioned it into something I'll else. Get off my chest. I have a guilt thing with Propagandi where, when I was in college, they they decided to randomly send me a box of cassettes mm-hmm. from, and then they ended up not playing in Mankato. And so they're like, "Hey, can you just send those to us somewhere?" And I'm like, "Dude, I don't have money to do that." <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, 
and I felt really, and then I sat on them forever. And then when they eventually did play, I brought them to them in there. So they had these old demos that probably, you know, now would be worth something. But I always felt bad because, like, nowadays you think, like, 20 bucks, yeah, I can do that for you. But back when yeah. I was making $4 an hour, I'm like, definitely. I don't, yeah. I don't know who you guys, you know, but. Right. The, the irony would be to sell some of the tapes to mail the rest back to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I could have made that made a little money off that. Yeah. The podcast yeah. is is still going though. It's called unscripted, I, it's called unscripted moments. But I will say also, mm. I ne- I did not take one for myself. I was a good boy about it, you know. So. <laughs> nice, very cool. I Such actually integrity. when Terror came out, like Scott had sent me a bunch of Terror demos to yeah. sell, and then I think I sent them a check or something. The check got lost in the mail. So, oh, and that's my <laughs> demo distribution story. <laughs> did you keep one for yourself? I think I have a couple of them still. In my was it the was it a CD demo or a cassette? Yeah, the, the CD demo. Yeah, uh, the life and death uh, CD demo. I mean, the the cassette version of it came out like four years ago or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, I think I think it was Streets of Hate that put out a cassette version of it. Oh, cool! Very cool. Now that cassettes are all the rage. Yeah. yeah. They are. <laughs> I have nothing I, I to honestly, get on. <laughs> I honestly thought that the cassette trend was going to end. And then I feel like COVID and the record, <clears throat> like COVID, Taylor Swift and record pressing issues just like s- strengthened the cassette trade. Yeah. I still buy cassettes and I never listen to them because I, I want to support and everything. But yeah, I, I've, I found out when I dug my stuff out, my cassette deck doesn't work anymore. And then I've tried to buy multiple ones at thrift stores to make up for it. And they never work either. Uh, so maybe eventually so I'll be able to do a couple of these things. You know, I, I, I liberated uh, a cheap boom box off of uh, the last OG to listen to cassettes on. Nice. nice. So here's the thing. Um, so you could briefly tell us about like some of the, I know you had some side project bands that you did like after Snapcase was done, or there were bands, yeah. obviously. So tell us a little bit about those. So when Snapcase first ended, um, um, our drummer and Frank were, you know, they're jamming together, and that was going to be this thing called Ourselves, which was more like post, I don't know, post hardcore, like job box quicksandy type stuff yeah and uh so we had worked on songs with and there was this whole thing of trying to find a singer where we eventually ended up with this guy josh who was in six going on seven and that became attractive so that was the first thing after Snapcase. Mm-hmm. in that band like if i'm gonna be honest i i started writing songs because <clears throat> not because i didn't want to but to save my place in the band because Josh was an amazing bass player and singer. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, if I keep writing songs, that'll give me leverage to stay in the band. Because uh, I was always I was always wait I was always waiting for him to be like, you know what? Why don't I play bass and sing? We don't need that extra guy. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote a ton of music, which was really cool because um set, you know, during that time I was going through a lot, you know, relationship wise and my sister was you know, mm-hmm. sick with cancer and everything. So that was like the one thing that was keeping me going a lot was just writing mm-hmm. music. I, I remember getting off work and, you know, like 
humming things into my recorder, you know, my phone and stuff like mm-hmm. that to make music. So that was that band. I, you know, we, we did play some shows like, and we got to record our, our EP, which we recorded at what was Ford Apache studios, which meant a lot to me. Cause there's a lot of Boston bands that recorded there and cetera. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I, I loved Lemonheads and Blake Babies and all those bands. So mm-hmm. there was and Dinosaur Junior. So we got to record there, and that was really cool. And that re- that recording is actually really co- really good. Um, but that band just uh, there was kind of like this time stamp on that where Josh was like he moved here to do that, and he needed you know by the end of the summer or whatever he moved away, mm-hmm. and we were gonna do a big tour but we would have just been touring on nothing. Like we weren't, if we were with somebody else, it would have been a good thing, but um, it was kind of like, let's just go on this tour. And and Frank, you know, couldn't do it. He just got a, you know, full-time job. And, and, and for me, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to, like, I could do this, but I won't, I will come home to nothing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So kind of on a bad, you know, in a bad way with that. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we've all, kind of made amends over the years and everything. But I, I felt bad because I that I felt like we were really um kind of we had a lot of really good stuff that we didn't record and I really enjoyed playing that music. It was fun for me to like I you know I love hardcore don't you know, but I also um love other types of music as well, you know, and it's yeah. fun to play different things and to be able to 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 be somebody else. You know what I mean? You know, outside mm-hmm. of that. So that was a really a cool I like that experience except for how it ended, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um and then Snapcase started going again, which is awesome. And then over the other like um Daryl's cousin who was in uh Windhand started a project with me and Daryl and um Eric Larson who plays drums in Avail. Mm-hmm. And we did we recorded that and that was really awesome for me because I love I loved Windhand, but I also love playing metal type stuff too. And we recorded with that band and we played a bunch of shows and then nothing's, I, I haven't heard anything about it since, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that band called? Um, called Vault. Sorry, it took me a second. That's called Vault. And there's a demo, like I, on my Instagram, I have, I finally did a link tree type thing so you can find mm-hmm. all these things to listen to, hopefully. Oh, cool. But I'm really proud of that. Like that was really like we did a few shows and it was really fun and it was cool. Um, I like that music a lot. It was fun to play. Um, and then um, I have uh, Ghost Work, which is so my friend Aaron from Minneapolis, who he moved to Seattle. He was in this band called Kill Sadie. He moved to Seattle and then he eventually was in Minus the Bear for a number of years. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he wanted to just do a project with me and and do and and other friends you know and so that eventually came around to uh, this guy sean who played in mile marker and me and aaron and then we eventually got a singer we had gone through a couple of different people it didn't work out necessarily and then we got sean or we got uh the singer of seaweed and um which is a cool thing for me i'm like holy crap that guy's singing in a band i'm in wow. uh, and so we recorded our basically remotely recorded a record a couple years ago 
mm-hmm. and um, we just recorded some more stuff. So there's more news on the horizon with that. Um, we probably will never play a show, but there's going to be more music and everything from that. Right. So that's really, it's cool. That's definitely a cool exercise in terms of, I've never done a fully remote band before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see the results of everything coming together, even though it's, you know, I'm sitting in my basement <laughs> recording. into <laughs> my. <laughs> mm-hmm. It sounds pretty good, you know? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so there's that. And um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I'm forgetting. I, I think that's about it. Oh, and then I'm sorry. Yeah. Precious also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so precious is a um my friend from california he recorded a bunch of music and he's like what do you think and i'm like this is really cool and uh, i go you should have like i can see this or that person singing over it and so i introduced him to brian from threadbare and eventually brian recorded with him and then he moved to california to do it and just to, to get a change of, you know, pace for him. Cause he'd lived in South Dakota his whole life. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they have me, I actually have gone out and played with precious a few times, like a few shows, mm-hmm. but I never really got to record on the recordings. Like the second record, I kind of wrote some bass parts for, but, um, the last, this EP that just came out on indecision, I played on and, um, it's kind of cool too because um, the guitar player Carl from Threadbare played a solo on it, so it's a three fifths of Threadbare on a track, mm-hmm. even though we didn't see each other, you know. Oh, so, yeah. But yeah, that's going. That's still, you know, that's kind of a, a thing that happens when it happens as well. I don't know, you know, what the future is for sure, but mm-hmm. I'm happy. Like I, you know, I feel honored to be a part of all these different things. It's cool that people want me to do this you know what i mean but i will say it's hard it's hard because i want to play too i love playing shows you know mm-hmm. even though I'll, I'll i'll complain about it the whole time until i actually play <laughs> you know moving equipment and all that stuff isn't as fun as it used to be but yeah but it's just you know it's the it's just so cool to, to actually get to play and you know i'm I'm 53 now, so mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. You know, if I would have thought like when I was 20 that some 53 year old guy would be playing, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of we kind of talk about that a little bit sometimes, like in our in our private chats about like the the perspectives of being in our 20s versus now, and not expecting like not expecting like say like a sick of it all to exist for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, a band like Judge to do reunion shows and how exp- that that's al- almost like classic rock at this point for, you know, for us, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when in the eighties you hear the doors, that's like hearing Judge now for kids. Yeah. That's, it's, it's so weird. weird. <laughs> yeah. And that juxtaposition is like mind blowing, you know, it's like, yeah. Well, it's weird to think like, I, I you know, I, the age thing is just a matter of when you think about it i don't necessarily think you know i'm not like oh i'm an old man and i i'm gonna complain about how my back hurts all the time and all these different things i just pretty much feel the same you know it's just that you have a lot more experience you know what i mean you know obviously going through stuff but 
you know, that's why like the show, I think the show that we played the bridge, the gap show was so cool because, you know, I didn't feel like I felt just felt like everybody was the same in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Makes sense. Just all playing a show and, and like being into the same kind of stuff. It wasn't like, oh, look at these kids or versus these old guys. It wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, it, that- it was, it was great. Yeah. It, it definitely bridged the gap and it was great to see yeah. like all of those bands together, all the bands together and like the, the mix of age and everything. Yeah. yeah it, like I feel it, it served, it's, it served what it set out to do. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just, you know, I feel bad. I don't get to shows that often. It's just, you know, it just, unfortunately it's, it's hard when you, you know, when you have a kid and just, you know, I will say like <laughs> when it's dark at five and it's windy, <laughs> and well, I don't really want to get out of my house anymore, but there's so many shows. Like I wanted to, I was dead set on going to the show last Saturday mm-hmm. and, and my wife ended up going out with her sister and stuff. And yeah. And this didn't work out time wise where I could get out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's and hard. It's very hard. Yeah. I went, I went to the show and I stayed for one band because that's all I had time to do. So I, yeah. had, I had to get my son home to get, yeah, my son, my eight year old son actually went to the show and he saw, right. saw the, he saw um, bad blood and then we had to leave. Nice. Get home. nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like I, I, I really have intent of going to these things and, and I, and I try, it's just, I feel bad. Like I miss so many of these shows to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's only so much you can do, unfortunately. And, and so often too, it's hard to, you know, I'm, I'm literally leaving my house and going to a show by myself and hoping I'll run into something maybe yeah. that I, I know. But then when you run into somebody, you're like, well, now I can't bail as easily <laughs> when I, <laughs> I can't I like sneak. to sneak out myself at shows. I like to just get out of there and not say goodbye to anyone. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I do the same. And it's not, it's not out of like trying to be an asshole. It's just yeah. like, I just don't want to make, it doesn't need to be a to-do that I'm leaving. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Definitely hear that. So, so, so you're cr- probably going to see, you're probably going to see everyone again. So you don't need to do like a long-term goodbye. So I got them out. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's how I, that's how I see it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. My, my, a friend of mine I used to work with would say I would ninja smoke, basically just <laughs> throw this bomb down and disappear, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be a great trick. Yeah, <laughs> that is, start, start implementing. I'll just that. do it. Like, start I'll making do it. <laughs> so, Chris, let, let's ask. Let's ask a couple of the Chris questions to finish this up. Oh, a couple of the Chris <laughs> questions. Well, I do actually have a question before we get into the uh, yeah. trademark Chris questions. Uh, was there a culture shock moving to Buffalo from the Midwest? Yeah, it was for me because. Um, I, you know, I'd lived in Minneapolis and Chicago before. And so honestly, like Buffalo felt kind of small, mm-hmm. you know, Ooh. like I kept thinking that I would, when I first moved here, I was, you know, this, I, I hate, I never want to be like that. Like, um, I, don't, I hate it when people get in that whole thing of like back in my day or whatever, but mm-hmm. it was just like, when I moved here, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a lot of access to you know, you don't have Google maps or anything like that. So it was just like, I would literally drive down streets here for a long time and then figure out what was out there and then turn around. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like places that maybe Daryl took me when I first moved here, I would learn, like I would kind of like 
remember where those were and then i'd see what was just past that if there was anything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i was you know the band we were we would practice every day you know every day i would have like most of the day off and then at you know after dinner I'd, we'd go practice mm-hmm. or, we'd, or we'd be on tour so i really didn't and everybody in the band had their you know families and and friends here so Mm-hmm. I was definitely left on my own, I feel like, a lot. And it was hard, you know what I mean? It was really hard to, like, get to know people. And I didn't drink or anything, so it wasn't like I'm going to socialize by having a beer with somebody. Mm-hmm. And the only time I would really see people was maybe at shows and stuff like that. I remember, like, I remember going, you know, because I had all these different interests, you know, musically and everything. I didn't want to be pigeonholed either. I just mm-hmm. wanted to get people for, you know, hopefully that, you know, get along with or be friends with and. So, you know, I remember going to the King Snake. Remember that place? Yes. You know? And like going there and standing around for a little bit and not have, you know, not drinking. So I wouldn't, maybe I'd have a Coke, if anything. And then I would split because I'd be like, okay, I guess that's it. <laughs> but I, you know, I I will say I was fortunate to to get to be part of these weird historical things here. Like I, I worked at Home of the Hits, you know, that's yeah. a kind of big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I got to work at record theater, which is cool too. Record theater is such a weird, like that's a whole nother thing. That's a weird, <laughs> but I got to, you know, that's, that's a thing. Like, I guess if I would have worked more during the time off being in, in Snapcase, I think I would have probably established more friendships. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But because I was just kind of like on my own and a lot of times when we had downtime, I would just like drive to Minnesota and stay there for weeks, you know? Mm-hmm. So I didn't, it was hard for me to make friends and, and, but I, I mean, I I definitely did make friends, and and uh, and it just it, it's it's one of those things. As an adult, it's harder as well. You know what I mean? And when I moved to when I moved here, I was just about to turn thirty, so it wasn't like mm-hmm. I was a kid either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, it was definitely it was a culture shock for me. I mean, I, you know, I was gone most of the time too, so it was one of those things where I didn't get to know the town until i had the downtime and then i or you know you date somebody or you become friends with somebody and they introduce you to new things in town to do or or go to you know i was vegetarian then too and and so there's you know you it there's a unfortunately some of those things at that time especially were more limitations in a sense of where you would Mm -hmm. explore you know what I mean? Like I remember Mango Bob's was a great place to go and stuff like that. But um, it's you know, but I, I'm not you know not putting it down in any way. It just was it was hard. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. I was definitely trying to find my way for a while. You know. Mm-hmm. Aside from the damn <laughs> lake effect snow, but it's, not- <laughs> it's a thing that lake effect snow. <laughs> it is a thing. All right, so so the Chris questions. All right, Chris questions. Do you uh, do you can go for it, Chris? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'll ask the Chris question. Do you consider yourself to be a positive person? <laughs> you know, I'd say it depends on who who knows me. They would say I'm very negative sometimes. I would say I try. I mean, I I, I used to say I was a realist. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I try to be positive. I think having, you know, my wife and my kid have helped me become mm-hmm. more. Positive. And to be honest with you, getting out of retail has made me more positive. Oh, <laughs> it does wonders. It yeah, does wonders. It just, 
you know how it is. It's just so it's so hard when people are so rude to you. You know what I mean? They treat yeah. you so, and it's like it's just you know it it really does a number on you, and it put me in a negative space for quite a while. And you know, I had a lot a lot of you know my sister passing away and mm-hmm. my mom through a lot of stuff. Those things were really that put me in a really really hard times. But I think though surviving those things have made me more positive you know what i mean like getting getting through that kind of stuff has helped me see what's more important and Mm -hmm. and trying you know like with my sister dying it's just like i really look at it as like i want to live for her and and uh you know she wouldn't want me to be a miserable person you know what i mean she'd be like let's She'd be like, let's trade places if you're going to be an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, I try, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and definitely. It's hopefully getting better all the time, you know? Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, let's, let's see. What's the other question? Do you have, do you only have two questions or do you have more questions now? Are there more Chris questions? So, now? so I had like a whole series of questions and they didn't seem to go over well. So I dropped them and I don't know where they are. Uh, cause they're, they're on a much more personal note and that made some people uncomfortable, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the staple who's got the best pizza in Buffalo. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, I, I'll be, I'll, I don't know. Like I, okay. I, one thing I've really enjoyed lately is Jay's artisan pizzas in oh, Canada. Right. And yeah. uh, and more, right? I hear that's good. Yeah, it's super good. It's yeah, it's you know we just get uh there's a couple basic ones we get like a a Detroit style and then like a regular uh, pepperoni type pizza, right? Mm-hmm. Really, those are super good. Um, the one that we usually go to is Santora's. Mm-hmm. This way, I mean, I used to I used to always love Pizza Plant. That was oh that yeah, actually, that actually used to be a a staple thing with when Snapcase would get off tour, we'd meet the next day. That was usually pr- provoked by Larry Ransom to go there, but mm-hmm. that was always something I enjoyed. Um, I don't know. It's, I'll be honest with you, I'm very open minded and trying new things. Like, I just tried a new one down the road from us that was, I'm not going to name, but it was all right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you only name the good ones. Yeah. But, um, you know, I I have my favorite in Minnesota, which is in my hometown. It's it's called Poly Eyes, and that's been around since I, literally the year I was born. Mm-hmm. And I I grew up with it. And then like during you know like Beetle Boys times and stuff, like all my friends used to work there and everything. And it's still super good. So you know I'm not not putting down Buffalo Pizza in any way, but that's gonna be my my you know what I judge everything against in terms of favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, you know, I'm always up for trying everything. Like I, I will say that we usually end up um, the ones that we go to more, you know, instant. We've been, what's the place? Shoot. Desi's we've been eating at lately. And mm-hmm. that's good. That's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get a lot of North stuff. You know what I mean? So yeah. Uh, if we're in the area, uh, but yeah, I'm open to recommendations. Um, What's the what's the main one that everybody loves around here? Uh, 
Bocce Club, Lenova. I like bocce and stuff. Lenova, yeah. I Lenova when I was vegetarian and we get it, I didn't necessarily like the cheese pizza. It was kind of it had like a off taste to it, like a fishy taste almost. I don't know what it I was. Think, I think Lenova's kind of overrated, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I've always kind of felt that they're overrated. Yeah. Um, not to say that they're bad, but there's so many places that are better. Yeah. But Lenova, like like Lenova always win the wing bowl, but I don't think that their wings were the best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know if the wing bowl is still a thing or not, and if they still win it, but that was always the thing. Mm-hmm. No, I I know um, you know how it is like when they do like when they used to do the um best of Buffalo things, it was always the same places would win just because of their notoriety. Mm-hmm. Like definitely versus like not saying they're bad, but versus some of the other places that probably were better, you know what I mean? Or could be Yeah, better. I mean what Lenova did change the game with their barbecued wings and then everybody started copying them. Yeah. Uh, so I will give them I will give them that that respect. Yeah. But I don't I don't think that Lenovo's top tier. Like I think Lenovo's kind of like B level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny when you did the one with Salemi, wasn't it? Didn't you talk about his family's pizza place or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And I now I I wish I would have been able to try it, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. Oh well, you know, these things happen. <laughs> I know, yeah. I say, like to me like the the Tanawandas are like this wild like no man's land to me that i'm sure because <laughs> it's always really weird to like it, i'm not putting it down but it's always like interesting to drive through there and it's mm-hmm. a whole different it's a whole different vibe out there and i know there's probably like some gems you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't think i've had yeah. any pizza in the north towns that's been particularly like great i guess i don't know i feel like i feel like the tonawanda's had that like taco burrito place that was like supposed to be really good Okay, but I don't remember the name. Colosso, Colosso Taco. Colosso Taco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that spot. I, but I don't remember hearing twice. about pizza from there. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> Such is life. <laughs> so what else we got, Chris? Is that oh, the? Man, uh, I think that's about it. Like I'm uh my tank is running low. It's been a wild <laughs> couple of weeks. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. But we had. The, I mean, we had the damn earthquake. What can you say? That really threw off everything. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, people like people here were like, "Oh, do you know anybody who was in the earthquake? Everyone okay?" And it was like, I feel like twenty five years ago or so, there was an earthquake. Like they, they're rare, but they happen. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I missed. But... Yeah, we we had no damage, but I I definitely felt it when it happened. But it, it was like it was just like a like a heavy truck rolling by or something. It didn't feel like yeah. like anything like that. But well, I guess it was the epicenter was like two miles from where I live. Mm-hmm. We're it felt like initially I thought somebody fell out of bed, but they must have weighed 400 pounds. And that's, <laughs> and then I was like, maybe somebody hit our house with like a, a truck or something. Yeah. Like it, was, it was that kind of vibe. Yeah, definitely. I, outside, I have like, I have one of those, uh, I have one of those like baseball bat flashlights, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So I went outside with that. I'm like, you know, what am I going to really do? But I'm like, I'm going to see what the hell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining that right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty. I'm yeah. sure it was hilarious. <laughs> awesome. I, like blood out there or something. But I, I like, I went outside and then like my neighbor was walking down the street and I didn't recognize him and I'm like, who the hell is that? Like, <laughs> there's some maniac like hitting houses with me or something. <laughs> like, Did you hit my house? <laughs> yeah. And then he said, like, "You laughed." Me. 
He's like, you. He goes, oh, I see you got the bat out. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I'll I'll show that earthquake something. You know, like whatever. well, here's one final question. Cover in time. I'm gonna get yeah. you. Here's one final question to finish it off. Who do you think we should have on the show in the future? Yeah, I don't know. Da, da, like, da, da, da. It's also me, like, it's also we use this question to gauge if people actually listen to the podcast or not. <laughs> okay, one, one thing I, I have I didn't reach out to the guy that lives in Japan that isn't a craft beer because I'd love to talk to him. Oh, Randy Carncross, you are a listener. I listened to that. I will say yeah. I listened to that podcast on my drive from uh, Rapid City, South Dakota to Minnesota. So just a place when that happened. And then uh, there's a guy that you guys talked to that lives in Rochester, Minnesota now. Lives in Rochester, Minnesota. Yeah. You got to get more context than that. Who but is he, that? Uh, is I reached out running? To, I don't know. I reached out to him. I'm like, I go, hey, uh, it was cool to listen to your podcast. I actually grew up like an hour from there. You know, if you need any, and you know, like I can introduce you to people or whatever, you know. Wait, who is that? I don't know. But he was just like, he was like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> but that's fine. I'm <laughs> sure he's like this weirdo reaching out to me in Facebook, you know. That's um, cool, but anyway, right. I don't I know. Like, I feel like it's Drenning, but I'm not sure. John yeah. Drenning, who is in ZT, but I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, okay. As far you should as totally, you should totally hit up Randy. Like he'll, he'll, yeah. Because that was really interesting to to do that in Japan too. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, because we were, you know, I was lucky enough to go there on tour and everything, and it was really neat. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like this is a he's not really. I was gonna say a person that I think is very fascinating, who I really like like but he's a mystery is uh snack boy but he's not necessarily a hard dude you know what i mean who's snack boy you know you guys don't know him he was in tremendo or something back in the day so Mm -hmm. Mm. so yeah as it's been pointed out we're more of an alternative music podcast that's true well tremendo Uh, fits in there no i mean we're we're buffalo we're about buffalo yeah yeah um Yeah, his name's Kevin, his real name, but I'm sure EVR has some insight on that. I'm he's sure. hardcore adjacent, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we I got do, that we have that EVR on here. Like as I know, I was just thinking that. <laughs> like yeah, why haven't we done that? that. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's right there glaring. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. I don't know. I you guys have had most of the people like like I said, like there's so many people that you've had on that I finally got to know their their past where I knew them as post hardcore people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. That's very interesting to me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'd have to think about it some more because, like I said, I, I love that you had Urban. Like he's somebody that I think is the coolest dude ever. I mm-hmm. sold him sold him an iMac. I met him in uh, met him in Erie. And he was very, he was very like, I think he was a little bit like, who, who are you? But he was really, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. He's really cool. Very um, cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I'm a fan. I do listen all the time. So I, if I think, buddy, I'll, I'll hit you guys up. I'll let you know. Yeah. We appreciate uh, that. That's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm, always, I know, I'm also always amazed when people outside of Buffalo listen to the podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, I mean, there's definitely fans of Buffalo everywhere. You know what I mean? In terms of the, yeah. the, the you know, you have, what is it? Is Scott is from North Buffalo. Is that what he's known as? Scott, Scott from, from North, North Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely a great ambassador for everything. So definitely. Glad yeah, to have I, him back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, 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 I talked to him on Instagram. I'm sure he's probably, like okay enough already but <laughs> <laughs> i just like to learn i just like to learn of like how of who uh, it's fun to you know he's a very interesting person because i think he's you know epitomizes hardcore for so many people but mm-hmm. no he's so much more than that as a person and what he definitely. likes yeah definitely definitely and we did a tour with buried alive and i felt like i barely talked to anybody i think that was just because i was in my head all the time you know yeah Mm. Yeah. But how about like Joe from Buried Alive? Joe would be cool. Yeah. Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I went. I keep. I keep shouting out his restaurant. Yes. uh, Mojo Market. So I get. We we should definitely have him on. Definitely, that'd be cool. Yeah, Yeah. he's a. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm sorry if it was a little, you know. No, this it's was weird, fun. Weird to talk about yourself for so long and everything, but <laughs> this was fun. I was just trying yeah. to film, like as much as I could. You know what I mean? I didn't want to like fanboy out on Threadbare too too much. <laughs> well, I, love, I said I love I love to hear that because you know we really appreciate that people and you know like the band and because we really you know I like I, it's funny because I was talking to Brian today on messaging him and stuff like that and we've been for years now we've been trying to figure out if we can do a discography or re-release that stuff you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it'd be awesome yeah so, um, also a matter of like when would we have time to put it together we don't want it to be crappily done or anything like that and yeah 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 oh yeah so you know we still talk about stuff and we all you know that band one thing we we ended as friends, you know what I mean? So that's cool that we all, we still have our group chat and everything like that once in a while. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm glad it ended like that at least, you know? All right, cool. Yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for Thank having you. me.